Hamilton. Welcome to this week's Devil in the Detail podcast. I'm Rob Paxson and we're here talking all things Salford Red Devils. Join the show this week as ever. We have Paul Whiteside. Right, Paul? Hey, Rob. You okay? How's your week been, mate? Yeah, busy. Very busy, as usual. But no, I'm glad it's weekend, mate. I'm really glad it's weekend. It just seems to have dragged this week, really. We work and this, that and the other. So, uh, it feels ages since we played a game as well, doesn't it? So, uh, so yeah, I'm looking forward to the match on Sunday. I was a bit nervous last night, you know, with the meeting about the stadium. and that. I was on call last night at work, so I didn't go until 10 o'clock. But I was keeping my eye on Twitter and, you know, seeing what was going on. So, uh, yeah, I've had, uh, I've had a few worries this week. But, no, things are looking good now. I've got a couple of days off, so uh, all good. Yeah, things are looking good. Uh, Paul England in the in the Euro uh, final. Everyone's in a celebratory mood. Joined by... Paul Packing, who's obviously also in a celebratory mood, but not about the, the football, Packing. Tell us about your big news, your big sporting news. I won't go that far. Um, <laughs> it, it, I've, I've had a, a, a message today through a chance meeting last week at, uh, at Old Trafford at the, at the cricket ground, not the football ground, by the way. I've not met Oli Gunnar Solskjaer yet. <laughs> um, and it looks like I, I may well be getting uh, a, a spot in the Lancashire County Cricket partially sighted team um, moving forward to go and tour the country so represent the Red Rose which would be a, an absolute dream um, so yeah that's it, it's, it becomes a bit of a, a shock when, when you meet somebody and they say something on a night and then you know whatever you, you tend to forget but yeah his message is true to his word and uh, hopefully they'll get into the fold as soon as possible but there might be a problem if it starts interfering with rugby league that's mm. you know my England career might stop before it started, if that's the case, It'd be like a be like a blind liar, uh, Brian Lara, Paul. That's that's what we're expecting. Yeah, we slogging that ball all over the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it sounds good to me. That yeah, sounds yeah. alright. Don't think I have much cop at cricket, but uh, no, good luck, good luck, Parky. Yeah, thank you. So well, 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 I'll keep you posted on that one. See how we go. It's going to be exciting, Park. You have to keep us keep us in touch with with all your goings on when you're taking over the over the cricket world. It's going to be it's going to be exciting. Another I don't know have a sportsman on the on the on the podcast. Well, every week it gives us insight on what sportsmen you know what they do. I, w- I won't go that far, Bob. You know me. <laughs> um, I won't prepare in the best way. I know that. So uh, I, I'm more getting involved for the social side. Let's say that. That's uh, that's good news, that Parker. So there's loads and loads uh, to, to go at. Uh, we're going to look back at the fans uh, meeting at the AGA Bell Stadium, which happened yesterday. Um, we're going to react to that. We've got all the big news uh, coming out of the club as well, uh, the other news. And then we've got the uh, amateur report from Paul. And then we're going to preview the, the Casper game, which is on uh, Sunday. So we'll start with the, uh, the big fans meeting that happened uh, yesterday at the AGA Bell. Yep, so the fans meeting happened yesterday, Parker. Quite a good turnout, uh, really, considering all the COVID regulations. Uh, and it was very informative as well. Yeah, really good turnout. I was shocked when we turned up. Um, and uh, there was a load of cars in the car park. And uh, my brother was saying, well, you know, look at this. I said, oh, probably going to the gym. You know, the gyms or, or whatever it is. It's, you know, there might be an event on or whatever. And he went, no, look. And they all, you know, you see all the Salford Church. And there's a... Make a big queue outside. I was like, what, what's going on? We don't get queues like this on a match day. And in fact, if we did, we wouldn't be in this situation we're having this meeting for. Um, yeah, brilliant. I mean, I, I went there with an idea of what, what was going to be discussed. Uh, and I came away thinking, yeah, that's that's what I expected. Um, and when it's all laid out in front of you in bare facts, you know, the, the situation has come or will be untenable in that way to... to you know, to be at that stadium. So it was good, good to hear because you, you can you can hear all you like about it cost this much, it cost you know what, but we, you don't actually hear the ins and outs. And last night, I mean, Paul King, a man that uh, it just keeps going up and up in my estimation. Respect for him, he's he's so truthful, and he, he you know, as as was mentioned last night, he's risking a hell of a lot keeping this club afloat. Not you know, he's not he's not a rich, wealthy benefactor. You know, he, he's doing it out of the love of of South Rugby League Club and. Um, he mentioned several times last night about being a Salfordian, you know, and what it means. And, um, and, and as you'll probably mention, there was three options on the table. And the, the third one, uh, he's not very open to. And no. uh, I, it was delightful to hear that, um, which we, you know, we'll, we'll talk about. But no, great turnout, really good, well organised, um, COVID safe as well. And, uh, and it went on longer than they expected. The Q&A and everything else was, was fantastic. 
yeah, I think it was really good. I think they were really honest. Uh, Paul King, uh, like you said, a natural leader. Everyone, everyone kind of the shoulders go up, don't they, when he when he walks into a room. Uh, he came up with it. Obviously, the facts of the situation is uh, that sales sharks are interested in buying it. Um, but they said they won't obviously make a move until our future is decided. Cost Cost, which is a company formed by Peel and the council, are keen to sell. Um, so obviously Salford were offered to buy it first, but we weren't able to uh, to raise the ten to fifteen million pounds to buy it, uh, Paul. So at least everyone knows, you know, we're not. No one's in the dark now about what situation is. No, that's right. I think we all had a rough idea, didn't we, um, about it? I mean, like you said, they're £15 million. Pounds. Who's got £15 million pounds just swilling about in the back pocket? They haven't. It's an awful lot of money, isn't it? And, you know, I was worrying about it last night and I, and I saw things on Twitter and I was on a job, actually, and I was just reading a few of the things and I thought, my heart sort of went up a bit, really. And it was quite heartwarming to read things and I thought, you know what, I don't really know what I was worrying about because Paul King's a smashing man. You know, and he does a great job at the club. And knowing he's there looking after it, it's like, yeah. you know, he's looking after it in the right way. He's like a proper caring sort of person. It's not like having some guy who you think, bloody hell, what's he going to do? I can't trust him. He might do a backdoor deal. At least with Paul, you know, he's straight with you. He's honest with you. And I was reading bits of things, what people said, and I thought, yeah, I feel a lot more at ease now with it. Um, so whatever way it goes and I've said it before I'd stand by the club whatever happened whatever league we ended up in wherever we played I always would do but my only fear and I had the fear a few years ago was the name change and moving and things like that and I don't think I'd be able to carry on going or be associated with it so I wouldn't want to lose it but I think judging what you two guys have said and what the things I've read I think that's sort of a last resort that so um, so yeah I think we've just got to We've just got to do our bit now, hasn't we, as supporters, and, and get behind the get behind the team. I think really my rallying cry now would be to the public of Salford to get behind it. You know, if you want this team to be in the top league, we need to get behind it because without supporters and without people going, we might not be able to pl- to play at the top table. But I'm not as worried as what I was, guys. Anyway, so uh, so yeah, like I said, I wasn't there, so I'm only going off what I've heard. But uh, but it sounded a positive meeting from from where I, I was sat. Yeah, I think the important thing, Parky, was the data that he, they gave us. He, he talk, they talked about, obviously, the, the stadium when, when Salford first got to the stadium and, and the forecast of, of, of potentially 8,000 fans and how they've sort of used that as a calculation uh, mm. on, you know, rent and stuff to be paid. And because we weren't reaching that 8,000 fans and we are only getting sort of sort of 3,500-ish by the sort of the back end, we were losing kind of over sort of seven hundred fifty thousand pounds to a million pound drop off, which is a lot of lot of money for us and also the stadium people and the council who have actually sort of banked on that money coming in. And I think it's you know when we a bit on the thing on Twitter about kind of a thread about it that yeah we, we eight thousand I don't think it was ever ever sort of achievable and and it's kind of fantasy numbers for me and it feels like we everyone got sucked into this and now we're in this situation where we are yeah i think you mentioned that, that 8000 figure um I, I have no doubt you know in the best interest that people oh, we, we thought we could get 8000 we we were never going to get it every week that's mm. i mean that's just a ridiculous notion and anybody who came up with that is living in you know in cuckoo land uh, there are possibilities in big games, Warrington Saints, bigger. You, you you could, if your home support's good enough, you could tip 8,000. But you're not going to get it every week. Um, it's just not there, sadly. So, that, that I mean, that's, that's crazy to start with. And, and it was always going to tell in the end, uh, if we'd have been a bit more realistic. I mean, we were going, we were leaving the Willows on, what, four and a half, five thousand. Hmm. And just by moving to around, if you build it, they will come scenario. Three thousand people are going to jump on the on the bandwagon. The one thing we needed from the start, and it's slightly going off, is, is success. We didn't hit the ground running. We didn't have any success until the last couple of years, in in real terms. So people, you're talking generations of people who haven't seen anything good. So I don't know where they just thought these people were going to magically come from. Um, but but moving on, like you say, them figures were were, were put there, and as a club, the rent is worked out on that. I mean, the first was it the first three years there was, there yeah. was no rent, and then it was a stepped situation. Yeah, and, and now we're at a point where we can't afford these repayments. These are out of our league completely. 
Uh, and if we if we even attempted to reach paying, I think was it four hundred fifty thousand pound a year? Yeah, we'd have no club, we'd have no players. We, you know, we could play there. Yeah, we can stay there, but you're going to have a lot of amateur players, mm. and that that defeats the object. So, um, really bad calculations from the start. I, I still think, and I think I may have said it to you last night. I think it was a rush project mm. from the start. You know, we seem to have. Uh, Straight, straight away from the transport situation, that seemed to be an afterthought after we'd built or after cost cost had built a stadium. Mm. Not how do we get people here? What's the access like? Is there and over the years it has got slightly better, but to start with, and I, as you know, I, I spoke to people today, I've kind of canvassed a bit of an opinion as to why people probably don't go or or whatever to people who have been, and it was them things, them little things that turn people off. You have, yeah, you, you only have one chance to make that impression. And people were turning up at the ground. They, there were them delays. I know they've cleared now quite a lot from the car park. There was the fact that on a Friday night, there's only one bus getting out of there back into Salford. You know, people couldn't get to and from the game or, you know, they were getting back too late or whatever else. All these little things added up. And people said to me today that they, they've probably been two or three times in since it's been open. They've been, they've tried it, they didn't like it. So I think the whole planning was wrong, I think. You know, the original idea that John Wilkinson had way back when was a fantastic idea and would have secured the future of the club. And it was what we wanted. You know, we would have been paying a peppercorn rent. We'd have made, made money on match days off the stadium. It was our ground. And as soon as that got taken out of our hands, that's where the problem started. And that was 10 years ago. So it was never going to get any easier. Um, so the figures were, the, the figures are terrifying. Mm. They really are. For a club like, like Paul pointed out that was it that we had every year we have one attendance over six thousand since we've it's, been there? The, the stats he said was um, under the thirty-five games, only sixteen games were over five thousand, which is that, uh, you know when when you think about it, if you dig a bit, you think how we it's not never going to happen. But obviously, we we look back at the timeline because now we've got sort of the timeline of, of what they were paying and what was mm. happening in in, in, mm. uh, in the world of Salford Devils. And obviously, 2012, we started at the AJ Bell. So we weren't paying anything for the first three years. And then Marwan came in in 2013. And he can't, I don't think you can blame sort of Marwan Kukash because he's only looking at the figures which the council were looking at mm. at the time. So I could understand how, sort of why he did what he did early doors because he just wanted to promote the club because he's thinking I can make Salford big and everyone sort of talking about Salford everyone ought to come and watch Salford and he probably thought that that, that process Paul would jump us to 8,000 it didn't but I can understand what I did what he did now yeah but everyone was talking about it for the wrong reasons weren't they this is true nothing, nothing was right and just me thinking back now you just mentioned there like um, leaving the willows when we left the Willows, that 2011 season, for want of a better word, we were crap. That season, that last season at the Willows, we was garbage. I mean, look at the last game. We got 11,000. We got absolutely tonked off Catalan. So we didn't leave the, the Willows with any sort of momentum. We brought a coach in who, who stung about, didn't he, and then, then left. And it was, a, you didn't leave on, on good terms for me. It was the season just, I remember losing to Okar in the Cup, 25-0 at home. And I thought, God, this is our last ever Challenge Cup game at the Willows and we got stuffed. And it was just, I don't know, then we, then we moved. And I think when we moved, it, I remember saying to my dad at the time, it all feels a bit rushed. We, we, we've moved here to this ground. And it felt, I'm not blaming John Wilkin, I'm not blaming the previous regime. It felt like the Super League had put pressure on us. Oh, you've got to go, you need a stadium and all that. And it's like we panicked. And I remember thinking at the time, a stadium would have been miles better at sort of West 1. There, I work around there quite a lot now, and every time I drive past, I think, God, a stadium would be brilliant right near Trafford Park, right near the motorway, right near tram links. It's just the wrong place. And if we had have had a stadium there, you might have been, ended up like Warrington. You know, look where their ground is. We could have been a similar model to them. So I think the whole thing was rushed, and we ended up in the wrong place. And I look at the stadium now, and it's a great facility. It's brilliant. I love going there. I enjoy it now. I really enjoy it. But I think, yeah, it's the, the wrong, the wrong uh, location for us, and I think that's why a lot of people don't go. Um, you got your dyads who, who go anywhere, but I think that that's been been the main reason for it, the lack of success as well. You think back to 
the 2012 season. The first season in the stadium was poor. The second season, I think we finished bottom. 2013 was awful. So it did take us a, a while to, to get going. And then, you know, we got to the, the, the grand final and, and things just start looking up. And then COVID strikes. So it's like it has been difficult. And I, I feel for Paul King and Bleasy and everybody else because uh, it's tough. And I'm just hoping that when this, this COVID sort of settles down later this summer and perhaps next season we can have a bit of luck. We have a decent run and, and crowds can start going up. But uh, that's all in the future. But that that's my thing in, in the past. I think perhaps it was a bit rushed. And, um, you know, the original plans that we saw for, for Wilkie Stadium, I remember seeing them, looked amazing, didn't they? And that never seemed to, to come to fruition. I don't know what happened. And, you know, I, I don't know the ins and outs of, of things and, you know, all the, the backhand shakes and things that went on. And there was a bit of recession at the time as well. Wasn't there? So it's difficult. It is difficult. But you're left with this. This this problem that we've got now, we've got to work around it. And I think the guys we've got at the club at the moment, thank God, have got the club at heart. And I think they'll do the best the best job for us. Yeah, I think Paul King said a lot, Parky, about he said he wants the club to stand on its own two feet and he doesn't want them to leech leech off everyone else. Yeah. Um, and obviously, going looking uh, now we've got the timeline and what what was going on. Uh, year four we started to pay and then obviously year five onwards we were looking at paying full rent but we never actually did Parker uh, he no. said that we're, play, we're paying between 120 and 150,000 a year when really we should be paying 450 so you can't blame the council because the council have done the best for us no. uh, because obviously we should be paying them full back but we're not yeah, I mean, that's, that was something Paul was keen to to uh, express last night, wasn't it? He? This is nobody's fault except Pat's ours in many ways. Uh, you know, he, he was deflecting any anything from sale, um, the council, you know, anybody involved. And, and, and rightly so. I mean, what you know, it's easy for people to sit back on Twitter or whatever else and slag everybody off. I know, I know Gary Neville got uh, bashings off, off certain fans on Twitter and, he might actually turn out to be our white knight at this this point. So, you know, be careful what, what, what you say about people. Um, yeah, when, when it was laid out bare for us, we, 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 don't, we don't have an option. And listening to Paul talk, you could tell it himself, he, was, he, this, he doesn't want to leave that, that ground, really. He doesn't want to leave the facility, but there isn't a future there. And in, in two years' time, uh, when probably Sale had full control of it, they will want their rent paid. There won't be a case of, oh, it's okay, somebody will cover that. We know that uh, the, the uh, partner company between the council and Peel are topping up what we're missing out, mm. that we're leaving off at the moment. And that's that's a huge thing because they're not going to do that. The council certainly can't afford it. And Peel Holdings in these times after COVID, they'll be, they'll be checking their accounts now and going, we can't carry on doing this. Mm. Salford will have to pay the full lot. And by that time, Paul said it could begin with a six-figure. Yeah. So we could be talking £600,000 plus a year to play mm. there. That's, we can't do that when we only receive, what, odd million in the first place from Super League or, or anything else. You know, you're losing your squad to pay your rent. It's not, it's not viable. And when it was all laid out, it's, it's as straightforward as that. We have to leave um, unless, you know, in the next few weeks I can win the Euro. I'm trying. I am trying. I've not checked my ticket on Tuesday yet, so this might all be nonsense. But uh, and that's not going to happen. I mean, I'm surprised in this day and age that Sale are actually considering forking out 15, 16 million pounds to buy a stadium. I know in the long term, over a 25 year mortgage, if you like, it'll work out better for them. But at the moment, I don't know. Find it a little bit, a little bit strange. Who's got that kind of money just to stump up and and buy a stadium? Um, so that's, I mean, that's their problem, not ours. But um, yeah, I think moving forward, there is there is no option in that stadium, sadly. And as much as it was built for Salford and the people of Salford, uh, myself, I don't know, Shirley Bradshaw and a few others, we, we spoke at the government, uh, we got called in by the government initially mm-hmm. for the planning permission and the council. And we spoke in the, in the chamber on behalf of the club and a lot of people put a lot of time and effort in to get that. The initial John Wilkinson plot you know, to start getting developed. And then what transpired there, uh, I won't go into because, you know, legal dealings and that kind of thing. I'm not, I'm, I'm not interested really now. But then we, we, we were, the, the seed was planted that we needed a new stadium still. And I think we'd already sold the Willows by the, by the point of this mm. 
this becoming an issue that we, you know, we've now sold the Willows, but we can't we can't build our own stadium. So somebody's going to have to step in and help, and that's when the council and Peel, Peel obviously looking out probably for themselves in many ways with more land around there and that kind of thing. So um, it, it it was rushed, and it, but it had to happen. We sold the Willows, we weren't staying. You know, there's housing going on there, no matter what we wanted. And um, and now the same thing's happening. You know, we haven't got a choice, and we've got two years to make make this work. Uh, and the hard work starts now. And you know, like Paul said, like you said, Robert, uh, I, I think we we've definitely got the right you know people at the top, um, and, and especially in, in in Paul. I think he's you could hear it last night in his voice. He was determined, but he'll take it. He will see this through no matter what happens and whatever the decision of Salford fans is. Whether, and I can't imagine for one reason why it would be, but if the, the decision by the majority is we'll move out of Salford into Manchester, he'll walk away then, but he'll get us to that point. Mm. And that's, I can't ask for more from that man who realistically has been defaulted into this role. Yeah. And I'm sure, I'm sure him, and you mentioned it a few times last night about his wife. You know, I'm sure she'd rather not be doing it, but um, he's risking a lot. And, uh, you know, I don't think there's a soft fan out there who can't have anything but respect for him. It's like the first It's like the first adult in the room in this period of time. And that, and that's the that's the, the biggest compliment you can say, I think. Yeah. Because obviously we've, we've had dreamers, haven't we? We're going to do this, we're going to do that. And he's come in and said, this is what we, this is what we can do. And that's, and it's, it's real, it's realism. And us fans have to kind of, wake up to that and realise mm. that you know we are where we are and we're going where we where we decide to go um, the three options he gave us three options he had the brave art option which was remain at the stadium there was the um, black hole option which was uh, buy a, a, a sort of a new home in Salford um, or outside of Salford into Manchester Parker um, talked about remaining at the stadium said it would cost us an extra 450 thousand pounds uh, which would have to come off the playing budget which means you're going to get less players for your money which means you're going to go down which then means you lose 1.5 million quid uh, for your player but playing budget it all comes down to i think it's 100 100k if you go down so yeah it's that's just not going to be an option is it really no the, i mean the other thing is if you do if you do end up signing substandard players, um, you know, it, because you can't, because you're paying your rent, um, fans are going to walk away. Hmm. You know, because you're going to get beat every week. And if you do get relegated, more fans will walk away. You'll end up with your, your hardcore of about 15, 1,600, and, and you can't survive in Super League doing that. So that's that's the truth of it. Um, the, the second option, it's quite clear from, from the slide that came upon the screen that. What was meant by that and where was meant by that? Yeah. There is nowhere else in Salford. There's no spare land in Salford. No. You know, it's either built on by uh, developers for, for housing and flats and, and everything else. Um, or it's our last bits of green belt, which, you know, we can't afford to lose. So we know, we know we're talking about Moor Lane, which comes with its own issues. The size of it, for one. Uh, the the access around the area and the residence is another. Um the, the hospitality side of it, you know, we can't afford to lose that. That would be a big... If, we, if we're going to make any money off this, that's where a lot of money comes from. And if we can't offer that, you know, we, we're going around in circles. So it will have its own problems. But I know Paul said he met with Gary Neville on Monday, was it? And had a, you know, a brief chat about it. And Gary seems very, very kind of open to it. And, and I'm sure in many ways, Salford City would see it that it, it, if the rugby leagues uh, were there... It would be used 365 days a year, or you know, basically be open all year for football in the winter, rugby in the in the summer, and we we would be paying them some kind of rent or or whoever you know, and that will help them because their their rates will come down in many ways. You know what I mean? You can split it; it works both ways. But there is a lot of work to do. I mean, I've been to Moor Lane in in many guises over the last 20 odd years. Um, somewhere I used to spend a lot of time. And now you look at it, and it's you know it's completely transformed to what it was, but still not Super League standard in so many ways. But there is scope because them stands are basically Meccano, and you could take them down and rebuild. Um, it is landlocked mostly, on, on certainly on three sides, 
So I, I'm not sure, but over a period now, in the next couple of years, that's something you can discuss. Mm. As long as we know we're going to have a, a home to go to, that is going to cost us less than £450,000 a year yeah. and allow us to stay in Super League if the RFL allow. Mm. It's, it is the easy option and, and the, the most sensible option out there. Yeah. Talking about option two, which was the new home in Salford, like you said, more lane. The capacity, I heard, isn't the problem. Um, 5,000, I think 2,000 seat and a 5,000 capacity. Uh, the problem is the runoff areas, which is the, the, the dead bar line and stuff like that. He said he's, he's, he's um, obviously got the Rugby Football League inspectors in. You're going to obviously try and get them in eventually, uh, Paul, to inspect it and see if we can uh, go to Morley and if it is an option. So we are we are kind of edging our bets. He also said that obviously the other option, which is go to Manchester, is doing the same for that. So I suppose he's keeping a foot in each pond, even though he don't want to go to Manchester. Not an option, mate. Going to Manchester, you got Manchester. It, it just finishes, doesn't it? We end up being Manchester. You lose all your supporters. The club dies for me. Because if people in Manchester are interested, they come now. I want to solve it, so they don't. So that that's a non-starter for me. Um, the Moor Lane situation, I wasn't too sure whether Moor Lane would meet Super League criteria, but from from what you're saying, it does. And you know, the capacity of it, it doesn't really worry me because we never really get more than five thousand anyway. Yeah. Um, like you said before, that that stat, and I thought that I thought we, I was thinking the other day, I thought we never seem to. The AJ Bell have got that many. I can think of a few games like a bank holiday Monday against Wigan. I think a few years ago we got a few. So the capacity doesn't doesn't worry me. Um, I'd if I had the option, I'd probably go. I wouldn't mind going there. I work around there quite a lot. I don't know as long as it's still in the city. I think you'd make it your own. I think support as a, as the a, a family support as we are, we'd probably make that our own and we'd enjoy it. And, and it is what it is. You you make the best of things, don't we? And I think that's what Salford people do. So mm. I wouldn't really worry about that. But I think it's going to be interesting. I mean, if we went to Moor Lane, would it be forever? I don't know. Um, it'd be great if someone could come in with some money and, and, and back the club. You know, you don't know what's around the corner, do you? In the next two years, somebody could come in with, with some money I don't know we'd have to just hope that happens but we need to have like these contingency plans in place don't we it's yeah. going to be a, a, a rough ride I think And but I, I just hope the public will solve get behind the team a bit more as well as I said before you know if they do what a rugby league team you know, you've got to show us that they want it I'd speak to loads of people at work and say oh yeah I used to go and if you want the team to still be there in 20 years, you need to go now and watch him now because this is when we really, really need you. So it, it's going to be interesting, but I wouldn't have a problem with going to Moor Lane. I wouldn't. Um, it's not the AJ Bell, but it might be. It might keep us going. It might be something that keeps us going. We need somewhere, don't we? Mm. The other option, I think, and nobody mentioned it the other night and you guys haven't mentioned it, was perhaps ground sharing with somebody else. I know there was a rumour flying around the press box the other week when we was at the Leeds game. One that Rob, a few people mentioned to us about they'd heard about sharing with Lee and things like that. That doesn't seem to be an option. It's not come up on the table. So I'd prefer to go to Moore Lane than go out with the city and share with, with Lee Centurions. Mm. Nothing against them. but uh, So Moore Lane does seem a decent option, but... See what happens. Let's just hope someone wins some money. <laughs> the yeah, there, there will be, um, you know, uh, sort of pitfalls parking, which we need to avoid. Um, mm. Parking. Funny story. Every time I mention uh, more lane to me, Dad, it's like a he's got a trigger. He just says, "Can't park around there. Can't park around there." Yeah. It's like a yeah. reflex action. Yeah. Um, but I suppose you know the way the world is now and the environment, environmental uh pressures that we're all experiencing maybe we could probably work on that maybe get some park and ride uh towards the stadium or something like that something that the council maybe and the club can sort of communicate with each other about uh, might be a good news story that environmental and that um and then also there was office space which which did which did need as well because by the sound of it there's not much of it at, at more lane so that's another thing they have to look at and also when the host matches park here, the you know the staff wages, you know people in the uh, in the burger vans and and the mm-hmm. the kiosks and the stewards, uh, all that money is in is in the the price we pay at the AJ Bell Stadium. So if we, we if we were at More Lane, it'd be different. We'd have to pay them. Yeah, um, they are already there though. To be fair, yeah, you know. So and these these people who do, I know. I think Seven Brothers uh, have a have their own bar there. Mm. You know that kind of thing. Well, it benefits them as well. If if the stadium's open all year, they make more money all year. It's quite quite straightforward. Yeah. Um, 
you know, and, and the parking thing is absolutely right. And it's something else I've discussed today that about the, the park and ride. Salford City do it from just near the prison. Hmm. Uh, you get there and, and they ferry you up because the residents around there are very strict. On the, on the match days, no parking zone around the ground. Uh, it, it is a nightmare, really is. And I, I don't fancy walking up Moor Lane. Um, it's quite a steep hill. And after a belly full of beer or something like that, it wouldn't be the best. Um, so that's... Yeah, these are these are small things, but if we can get nailed down now that that's where we're going to go, these are issues over the next two years that we as fans and as as the club working together can iron out. Yeah, that's they're, they're little things realistically, but weren't thought of when we moved to the AJ Bell. Yeah, now we can make them wrongs right. We can do it the right way. We can make it work. As I said before, the ground at Morlane, whether it's five thousand or well, whatever it is can be extended them stands can be made bigger hmm. they are they are they're, they're literally like a mechanical set they just put together and flop them down so that's going forward again not this year not next year whatever but you know if like Paul says are we going to stay there forever are Salford City going to stay there forever if they carry on their progress hmm. no they're going to look to move they might want to move to the AJ Bell one day and leave that place and then it becomes hard you know there's a lot of options there but going back to something Paul said about the, the, the people of Salford, and I, I, I can't echo it enough. Um, and we've said it for years, and I don't get it why people don't go, oh, you're rubbish. Well, other teams are rubbish, but the fans go, you know. I don't, I've don't. i never had an excuse. And I said to you before, Rob, that if if the crowds we get now at 3,000, 3,500, whatever, as an average, hmm. if 1,500 people turned up extra, just Salford fans, not away fans. That's a different matter because they don't turn up anymore. We have a lot less away fans than we've ever had mm. turning up for the AJ Bell. For whatever reason, again, they might not like going. There's no no pubs really near it or anything like that. Anyway, for that 1500 if you average it out between tickets, so adults and kids or whatever, you might be saying 15 quid ahead. That brings in over, over a season. Not far off 300 grand. Now, that doesn't sound an amazing amount. But that 300,000 aligned to the 150,000 we're already paying, we're covering the rent of the AJ Bell. We, do, we, we don't have this problem as such. You know what I mean? We, and if that had happened for the last 10 years, while we've been at the AJ Bell, how much money have we saved? How much money have we got saved mm. up? You know, the people of Salford have let Salford down. And I, I'm a very, you know, proud Salfordian. And I know most people are. You ask people from Salford where they're from. Very few say Manchester. Very, very few. And yet, if there is this pride, why is it not shown in the sporting teams? You know, why, why is it never... It's never echoed in that way. Um, and it's not all because they don't like the ground. It's not all because they can't get transport there. It's not... There is something in the psyche of, the, of this city that's very different. Um, and the last two years of success that we had, certainly up to the grand final, you saw that a little bit of a swell of it but at the start of the next season, that gone. Even though we played in a grand final, we were we'd been excellent for, for back end of that season, more than any of us dreamt of. You know, if I'd have said to you two at the start of 2019 what we did at the end of the year, it wasn't going to a grand final. It was no. booking a holiday and going off somewhere. And the people turned up for that, and the Wigan game before it. You know, a little bit of a following and going to Heading when we beat Leeds with great following. At the start of the next season. For about two games, we might have got 5,000. And then we lost a couple of games. And straight away, they've gone again. Mm. There's no sticking by it. And it's it's them very people that we need and the city needs if it wants to be an elite city and have elite sports teams and being able to play in an elite stadium, which we cannot do now. We need 1,500 more, Parker, or the fans we have now find another 170 quid each that's 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 not an option is it no really isn't in these these trying times that that you know let's not forget Salford's not a rich city no you know the the citizens of of, of this place we we're not flush with cash you know I'm not saying everybody obviously but it's a very working class place and 170 quid per person is it's not going to happen. No. That's just like buying, you know, an extra season ticket or something. You, you can't do it. So, yeah, he's it, left a massive gap. And um, interestingly, sorry, I'm, I'm ranting again here, but 
when you think back to the Willows, and I'm not going all rose-tinted, but how many times would we get a decent crowd in? If it was a, a big match, you would. Mm. You would get these big crowds. And, you know, like, like say, the season we, we had in 2019, that had been at the Willows. I think, I think you'd have seen a massive difference. Don't know what the difference is. It's another sports. It's a different ground, but it's still your team playing it with mm. more success. So why didn't we double our crowds rather than have them? I don't, I, I don't know. I haven't got the answer. I can't get into everybody's head, unfortunately. But, you know, I'm obviously very biased with it. But, um, yeah, he's he, he's caused us to get into this problem. And I'm not just blaming the, the people at all. But the club have made massive mistakes along the way and, and everybody else. But it all adds up. And now we're, we're in this situation. It's time to, to look to the next step. It is, Paul. The, the next step is is you servicing a few more boilers and putting another 170 quid in. Or... Finding a thousand and a half people. You know, do you know what? If I could, I'd do anything for them. I mean, I'll, I'll be straight. And I've told you before, I wasn't born in Salford, and I don't. I never. I never tell anybody I'm from Salford. I'm not. I was born in Rochdale. I was raised in Rochdale. I lived there for twenty odd years. But my dad's from Salford, and from being four years old, I had that drummed into me. Well, I went into my first game at six months old, and I've always been an adopted Salfordian, and. I'd do anything for the club. I really would. I go to the moon to watch a match. I, I really, if there's a match on, I'm there. Um, and I don't get other people's mentality when they, they don't go, and it frustrates me. And I worry about the club, and and I worry about, and perhaps when I shouldn't do, my wife says, "What's the matter with you? What are you worrying about so far? They don't worry about you. They don't pay the bills." But I love the club. I do anything for the club. And um, yes. Yeah, if I could do some more service and, and get some more money, I would do. And I, I get worried about. I, I don't want to lose the club. I don't want them to not be in my life because I couldn't. I couldn't live without them. I really couldn't. And um, I just wish that we could have more people with, with that mentality. And I still, I, I still think we can. I still think we can do things, and I still think we can get good crowds. And just before when you were talking about that eight and a half thousand at the AJ Bell, I remember hearing that when we first moved, and I remember saying to my dad. I can't see us getting eight and a half thousand. Yeah. It's a lot of that. And I remember him saying to me, he said, you know what, Paul? He said, we didn't really get that many in the 70s. He said, you've only got to look at the his scrapbooks and there's games there in the mid-70s where they were getting like seven thousand, seven and a half thousand. They were winning the championship, so we weren't getting huge crowds. I mean, some games they did, don't get me wrong, there was, there was games where they got, got full houses. But I can remember when I first started going to the Willows, the only time you really got a big crowd was when we played Wigan. You play Wigan and they bring loads of people, wouldn't they? And they, they pack the North Stand out. I mean, even St. Helens, you should bring that many. So, you know, Wigan did, didn't they? But I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I don't know what the answer is with the public assault, but I, I don't. I think there's a lot going on. Um, there's football. I think football, if there wasn't any football, you'd probably be all right. But it's, I always say if you go to sort of Lee, Warrington, Wigan, St. Helens, they're rugby league towns, aren't they? Mm-hmm. And rugby league's in their psyche. In Salford, I don't think it is. You know, there they're born with the ball in their hands, aren't they? There, and it's it's just it's just part of it. Salford's not. There's a lot more going on, and you've got a lot more competition there. Um, it's a very cosmopolitan place. You got to say, Ellen's. Um, my a lot of my wife's family's from that neck of the woods, and without you know going into detail. There's probably not a lot of people from other nationalities in St. Helens. It's fairly sort of an English sort of place, isn't it? And they, I don't know. I'm not going to say they're backward, but you know what I mean? It's a lot more old-fashioned. It's a lot more old-fashioned town. Manchester, Salford, you're looking, you know, Chinese population there. We've got a big African population around Moston where I live. And, you know, great. It's great. It's cosmopolitan. But you've not that, got that traditional rugby league. You try to sell it to people that, that, that are new to the environment. So, I'm getting all geographical here now, but it's, it's, it's difficult. It's a, it's a massive place, Salford, now. And you look at the amount of people who've moved out and left and new people have come in. And not everybody knows about about the rugby league team. You could ask, I don't know, so many thousand people in Salford, they've probably never heard of them. So mm. that's the message we've got to get out over the next few years to the public of Salford about the club and, and, and tell them it's there. And if you tell them it's there, then you've got a chance of them coming. Yeah, the future's bright, Parky. Um, the plan is to obviously build a sort of the community feel uh, through the rugby club. The foundation are doing a fantastic job. Um, and like Paul King said to me, uh, on the previous podcast um, it's the best kept secret really we need to kind of get that out to sort of the media and let them know that you know we are we do fantastic stuff in the community which will help uh, we, we, we say every week don't we about what's happening with the foundation mm. and everything else and we've said it since the first time you guys had me on 
way back when. You know, we mentioned it then that people don't hear about anything. We don't we don't shout from the rooftops, and that's what we need to do. We need to advertise ourselves and let people know. There's people in this community benefiting so much. That was a magic light, that Paul. Yeah. Um, yeah. There he is. Getting abducted. Oh, Help. Help. Get him. Save What's him. What's going on? <laughs> Cheers, Ellen. Um, yeah, you know, and the stuff they do, it affects people's lives day to day, not just rugby league related. And nobody knows about it. And all people think of is that rugby team. It's just them. It's not just them. It's what it offers back. And, the, and I, I forget the lady's name who spoke last night. She asked the question. And she, she mentioned the pride that, 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 that this rugby club gives to this sitter. You know, when we make the final or, or we have, you know, a great result, everybody buzzes. You know, it does give you that, that, that lift. And it is great, the input. And we need... It needs supporting, um, and the only way we're going to do that a lot of the time is is tell people how good it is. We've got to tell them, um, and, and it's not something that Salford Rugby League Club has ever been good at spreading the spreading the gospel as such. And um, yeah, I just hope that now with, with Paul King in there and, and Bleasy and people like that, and, and the work that John Blackburn and his team, Danny Barton and them guys uh, that, that they do, that we can get that message out and. And, and people start to realise that it's not just a, a sports club. It is it is part of the community and a huge part of it and it, and it needs it needs help, it needs nurturing. Yeah, he talks about uh, supporters' trust and getting them involved and, and hopefully building, building the base, uh, Paul. And, and that's the important thing. I think, obviously, it's not just about us supporters, it's about reaching out to the city and, and that's the next step and it's how we get to that point we it seems like we have this conversation a lot um over the years and we we're talking about investment in schools and 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 you know local clubs and things like that it's it's when and when and how long it takes for that to pay off uh, for me uh, to see if it's is going to be a success or not yeah things like that take a long time don't mm. they? it takes you know money and, and funding and things like that but like Parkinson, I've said it to you before. Loads of times, you, you you've got to um, you've got to spread the word yourself, haven't you? You've got to tell people that you know we could. I think sometimes at Salford over the years, you know, the years I've watched them, we seem to have a bit of an inferiority complex sometimes, mm. and you know think oh, we're not as good as St Helens, we're not as good as Wigan, and this that, and they don't don't worry about them. Let's just tell people about our club. Let's be proud of our club. I mean, we've not got the resources that all these other clubs have got, but I think sometimes we. We punch above our weight and we do we do well. I mean, you look at now, we've been in that Super League now for no, quite a long time, I mean, a few years now since we got back promoted. And mm. all right, we've not always been brilliant, but you know, we don't spend like teams like Warrington. You know, look at the money they sort of spend. Warrington, the whole team's like, they're spending loads of money. So the way we've done things to, to stay there, I think we should be proud of ourselves. And, you know, we, we need to tell people that. And I think we get an awful lot of bad press for... Um, over the years for our academy and said, oh, we've not produced players. When you go look at the Super League, now the amount of players that have come through Solpers, we should be telling people that, saying, yeah, that's that T.O. Farge, Mark Sneed, he came through our system, let's let people know about it. So I don't think it's all doom and gloom at Solpers, not not at all, but um, it is, it's got to be a, a long-term project now, this, and uh, I'm just glad, we, like we said, we've got Paul King there leading, leading us, and I think it's difficult at the moment for crowds and that because of COVID. I think next season, hopefully, when it's, there's no restrictions and we can have as many people there as we can, I think that's when we've really got to hit it then. You know, if we've still got Richard Marshall there, he'll be looking at players to sign and that. This season, I think it's very, very hard to judge things, very hard to judge the players, the coaching staff and, and anything because it's so, you know, so so sort of vague, isn't it, at the moment? You know, life's very sanitised, isn't it? So uh, so I think next season could be could be the, the catalyst for us, really. We need a good news story in the close season and sort of pick up some momentum. Yeah. Parker, uh, Paul King uh, didn't entertain uh, option three, really. Um, no. George Harborn, he's, he's, he basically said that there was no, obviously, um, plan to change the name if we did move out. But if we were to move to Manchester or anything like that, and Manchester Council were to house us, like Paul King said, they'd probably want something for that. So I can say Salford is, is, a, is a proud city and I'd hate for us to have to do that uh, to survive. Yeah, a um, couple of couple of points there. The first one was it, it's the first time I've come across George. First time I've ever heard him speak or, or anything like that. And I was 
I, I was hugely impressed. I know my brother was as well. Um, he he came across magnificently. He knows his stuff. He knows the game, and he understands rugby league already. He understands the restrictions when he was going about club sponsorship and and that kind of thing. And, and the fact that you can throw as much money as you want at a rugby league team, there's no money in it. Mm. If you win the league and the Challenge Cup, you will by by doing that by by spending as much money as you can, that sponsorship money will not cover what you've paid. So you've got to have a rich benefactor who does it from the love to spend that money to win your trophies. Mm. That's that's the sad thing about rugby league, and you know you don't need to, me to go on and tell you what I think of the RFL and, and Super League anyway. So um, the, the money's not there for that. Um, so yeah, George was, was brilliant, great, great to listen to, and I, I'm sure with people like him uh, involved in his experience that that'll work in our favour. Um, yeah, the Manchester thing is it is a no-goer. Marwan mentioned it, muted it a few years ago, didn't he? Uh, he didn't like it, took his ball home. Uh, he wasn't impressed with our response to that and I don't know what he expected. Uh, we've mentioned a few times how, how proud most of us are of, of, of Salford. And that's, this is 150 years of rugby league or, or rugby within this city. And it, it can't just be wiped out. It can't be taken away from us. Mm. No no problem in Manchester at all. None whatsoever. Fantastic city. Great people just like, like Salfordians. You know, we, we, we're all... You know, scratching around uh, the same old hole, I suppose, as Oasis would have said. Um, but it's not theirs, and they're not interested in it. Mm. It's ours, and we are. It's hard, ours to keep, and oh, you can't. These are people's emotions. You can't just play around and, and think, oh, it's just a name. Why don't people? Why don't Salford just move to Manchester? First of all, the appetite for rugby in Manchester isn't there, as you can see from Swinton, Salford, Old and Rochdale, four hotbeds, supposedly. Not one of us can draw a proper crowd. Mm. Do you know what I mean? We're all struggling for money. The, the, it's just not there. And when you've got the two massive football clubs you've got, he, you know, it, it's not going to work moving. But going back to, to what Paul said, he, he, he described sort of rugby league clubs. We, we always seem to do ourselves down or we're a bit underdog, we're a bit this, that and the other. That is Salford. That's the city of Salford. You know, it, it fights for what it's got and it has got. A, it does get a bad press when it doesn't deserve it. You know, there's a lot of good things going on in this city, and and the rugby club mirrors the whole city. We do fight for things. We do have to scrap. Nobody's gonna. Nobody's ever given us anything, and um, and it's the same for the rugby club. Uh, and even now, from the authorities in our own sport, we don't get anything. We get fines that other clubs don't get for the same issue. It, it's just who we are, and I think that's another thing that Paul King needs to, you know, and and everybody else at the club needs to shout about and say. We are you. We we represent who you are. You know, we're not some glamour club throwing money about when when the people are solved for that's not who they are. So uh yeah, I just just went off on a tangent again there. But the Manchester thing is a massive no from me. It's clearly a no from Paul. Rob, I'm sure it is from you yeah, as well. And ninety percent of all Salford fans. Yeah. And I would I, say I, thank thank you to Manchester Council yeah. for your offer of these three grounds that are on the card, but no thank you. Mm. As guy, I spoke to we spoke to George about it, and he and he says it doesn't make any kind of economic sense as well uh, to to go to sort of to Manchester. It doesn't benefit us financially, so why we why would we do it? Um, mm. Which is you know a thing really because we were sort of force fed that weren't we, Paul? Over the years that Manchester was the was the the golden the golden goose uh, that we you know was going to lay an egg for us, um, but it was just one big uh, untruth. I work in Manchester a lot, and you try and buy a League Express in Manchester. You try and buy a Rugby League World in Manchester. You can't buy it. They're not interested in it. So <laughs> that always annoys me that I go to Manchester. I go to City Centre. I think, well, I'll get a, I'll get myself a Rugby League World magazine. Yeah, buy it anyway for love and the money. So I don't think they've ever been interested in Rugby League there. So if they did, they they'd come and watch us. I mean, I know Swinton have got links with Manchester, haven't they? They have it on the shirt, and yeah, good luck to them. Um, but I I. I we're a totally different city, aren't we? Salford is a city in its own right. It's a, a city that's got an awful lot of history and tradition. Um, you know, think of the music that's come out of the city, the sport, the sport, and you know, we've created a lot of history. Salford Rugby League Club has, you know, we look at the Challenge Cup next weekend, Lance Todd Trophy, things yeah. like that. Yeah. It's Salford Rugby League, the team of the 1930s, the team of the 70s. There's that much. People say, I've heard people say, like, on, on Twitter and usually like people who don't know anything oh Salford's got no history Salford Rubberley's got no history you know all this that and you want to think what 
you can write book. People have wrote books on, on it. I mean, I've got a lot of Graham Morris books about Salford, and you read them. I mean, we are. You know, I wrote a little preview last week about the Wakefield game and I was reading about their history and they're a bit like us mm. um, sort of downtrodden they've not won anything for a long time not been to Wembley for 40 odd years 79 I think they last got there but they were very similar to us when I was reading about them and had a lot of success in the 60s and you, you look at their history and you think wow yeah they, they, they've got a rich history in the sport and you know teams like us I mean you should be proud to support them because you've you've added so much to the game and so much to the sport, so uh, so yeah, just I'm going off on a tangent now. Sorry, um, yeah. So so the Manchester thing for me, no, it's, I, I think I just drift away. If we if we went to be Manchester, and I'd be heartbroken, uh, and I'd probably just end up going fishing or something, or, or doing or just doing something totally different. So I, I couldn't I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. You know, when Marwan said it a few years ago, I said to me dad, I said if if we change the name, dad, I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to just say bye-bye to it. And he said, I'd be the same. He said, we, we, we couldn't do it. And I looked at him and I said, well, what are we going to talk about? What, what are me and you going to talk about? What are we going to do? Are we going to spend our weekends? And yeah. It's unthinkable. It, yeah. It'd be like losing somebody. Yeah. So please, God. I mean, I shouldn't, I shouldn't say something like that because it's not life or death, is it? But I, I'd, I'd struggle. I really would. Yeah. <laughs> so please, if you're listening, don't, don't take us to Manchester, please. Yeah, yeah you've both uh, gone off on tangents. On, on this on this podcast and we've gone for, we're about an hour now in so what I might do uh, we might uh, cut this and then what we'll do in the next pod we'll look at all the other news uh, that are coming through the club and preview the uh, the cast game so big thanks for tuning into this podcast as we look back uh, at the fans meeting um, and uh, tune into the next one for all the big news and the cast preview <laughs>